Howdy folks and welcome to a brand new episode of Do Not Worry. I am your host Anthony coming to you once again from the heart of Beirut in Jaitewe. Folks, it has been a crazy week and we have a pretty exciting episode for you guys today. Pretty dramatic uh, as usual, unfortunately for me. Uh, before we get started, please take a second to like this video. Leave a comment. Your engagement, hashtag engagement has done a lot to help this channel. We are now at over 2.5k subscribers. All right, we are at over two and a half thousand subscribers. Thank you so much. Subscribe to the channel if you haven't become a do not warrior. Help me cross the 3,000 subscriber mark, the I love you 3,000 mark, and I appreciate you in advance. Uh, we got we got some crazy topics this week, folks. What has happened to Zac Efron's face? Zac, what did you do to your face, man? You were beautiful. A beautiful man. Not anymore, I guess. I don't know. We're going to talk about it. I'm not here to dunk on Zac Efron or anything, but it's just weird that he felt like he had to do something with his face. We're going to talk about Zac Efron. I'm going to have to touch on the uh, Grand Factory situation and their fundraiser. They're trying to raise $250,000 to rebuild and to relaunch the business. We're going to talk about that. There's been a lot of controversy online surrounding that. Uh, finally, I'm going to be reviewing Mortal Kombat. Also, if you guys notice some weird like buzzing in the back, I've got the AC on. It's getting fucking hot. And with the lights over here, it's impossible to do this podcast without the AC. So let me know in the comments if you do really notice the AC in the background. Uh, but uh, it had to be on. Okay, it's really hot or else I'm going to be sweating and shit. It's going to be very uncomfortable. So it had to happen. I also wanted to say a quick thank you to Noor Abu Fayyad who sent me her book, uh, The Complete Opposite of Everything. Uh, it is a novel. Uh, let's read the back here quickly. So Adam does not get scared. He just doesn't. He doesn't overthink. He doesn't second guess himself. And he most certainly does not cry. Yet, that's all he's been doing lately. He's a mess and he just can't seem to get it together. His friend Rami is no help. Nobody is. Until Yasmin comes along to reconnect with her homeland. She's been away for too long. She needs to know her roots. And she's the one person who understands what Adam's going through. Even when he doesn't. But can two people, both with minds that can't fully be trusted, help each other navigate the other's journey towards self-discovery? So this definitely seems like a super fun book. Thank you so much for sending this to me, Noor. Uh, if you guys want to follow Noor, she's on Instagram at Noor in Wonderland. She also has a YouTube channel where she does like a bunch of vlogs and uh, like makeup tutorials, stuff like this. Check her out. It's more for the ladies. But Noor, thank you for this. I'm going to try to read this ASAP. And if you guys want to try, you know, like to find out more about this book and try to get a copy, you know, you can check out Noor on social media. Uh, and with that, let's get kicked off. Okay, so Zac Efron, Twitter lost its mind a few days ago when, you know, famous Hollywood actor, 33 years old, he's young as hell, Zac Efron, looked, seems to have gotten a bunch of plastic surgery on his face. So a clip, like a six second clip of his went viral on Twitter where he was just like having a Zoom conversation with someone. And this is how he looked. Basically, his cheeks look extremely puffy. Uh, his jaw and his chin look much bigger. It's like he's had like a chin implant, maybe a jaw implant. S definitely some kind of work done to his face. And it's just sad to see because like Zac Efron, okay, look, I'm a straight guy, but like Zac Efron is a, look at, like, is a handsome fucking dude, okay? The guy did not need to get any plastic surgery done. Almost every woman on planet Earth would love to be with a guy like him, even if you don't find him attractive or if he's not your personal style. Like, the dude is a good-looking guy on paper. Like, there's no debate. You know what I mean? He looks like he was chiseled out of marble or something. So it's sad to think that a guy his age felt the need to get plastic surgery. You know what I mean? Now, we've had some people kind of in denial 
But if you look at a bunch of pictures from his Instagram, like this one here carrying this little animal, this other photo right here, like his face has definitely changed. You know what I mean? Like go back to the side by side over here. That's, you know, the new Zac Efron versus the younger Zac Efron. Then you go back to this new photo right here again, like clearly his chin and his jaw are like, you know, like this, this is the weirdest photo. He was he's like, and when you zoom into this one, you can definitely see like how much bigger and larger his chin and his jaw are. And it just looks kind of strange, honestly, but I'm not here to dunk on Zac Efron or how he looks. I don't know what he's going through mentally or anything like that. But again, it's just the fact that he felt the need to get the surgery at his age. Like, I don't know what, what society and how much pressure has been put on this guy. But like, if someone who looks like him and who has the, the fucking physique that Zac Efron does, and if he doesn't feel comfortable in his own skin, and if he, if someone like him feels like they need to get such major plastic surgery, um, it's just sad, man. And again, I can relate. Like, there's a bunch of shit about myself that I wish I could change. I'm not happy about how I look completely. You know what I mean? Everyone has this thing about their body or whatever that they wish that they could change. And I mean, apparently, even someone as successful and as beautiful as Zac Efron, he's not even immune to that. You know what I mean? Now, I, I saw some tweets. And to me, look, he looks like uh, if you've seen Team America, I think this is what he looks like now, unfortunately. You know what I mean? Like, fuck, man. And I saw some tweets this morning. Someone was saying like a plastic surgeon released a video saying that it's probably just fillers here. Let's uh, let's check it out. Everybody is talking about Zac Efron and how strange he looks. Has he had plastic surgery to reshape his jawline, Botox or fillers? I don't think so. I actually think he's had dental surgery, not plastic surgery. That's why he's swollen in these areas. If you've had your wisdom teeth taken out, did you look like this? Okay, so, I mean, he's saying that it's dental surgery or something like that, but I don't think so, because if you look at a bunch of Zac Efron's photos that he just released, like, recently on Instagram, his jaw and his chin look different, man. Like, in this photo right here, in this photo right here, he looks different. He looks different here. I mean, again, some people might find still find him handsome and stuff to each his own. And, like, you'll see some people on Twitter, like, I've spent hours analyzing this new photo of Zac Efron. People are kind of clinging on to this hope that it was maybe just surgery, like dental surgery, and that it's the, 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 the inflammation and the swelling is going down. Like this guy, see how his face is back to normal? It was just wisdom teeth, jaw surgery. So people are still kind of in denial, but I don't know, man, I think it's here to stay. When you look at these photos, like behind the scenes photos of his Netflix show, and what is it called? I always forget what it's called, Down to Earth. And I mean, yeah, Zach is like an awesome guy, man. He cares about planet Earth and he has the show on Netflix. It's all about raising awareness about about the planet and, and, and taking care of the planet and sustainability and stuff like that. I mean, I don't know. It's just sad, man. And I, I really like the guy. I genuinely like him. He's a decent actor as well. It's just um, fuck, you know, you just never know what some people are going through, man. And even the most beautiful people by by traditional standards can sometimes be unhappy and, and feel self-conscious. So yeah okay grand factory let's not beat around the bush uh this is a big topic uh i'm kind of worried about talking about it because there's so many moving parts there are so many people that i know that are involved with grand factory i've already pissed a lot of people off just by sharing my opinion about the fundraiser on instagram so just really quickly what happened grand factory one of the largest clubs in lebanon one of the most profitable clubs in lebanon and it's like in a it's like a group thing with um uh, with Soul Kitchen, it's like a collective of, of nightlife, you know, projects. Recently launched a fundraiser asking for $250,000 in donations to help rebuild the Grand Factory, um, etc. 
people on social media understandably kind of lost their minds and were very mixed on the fundraiser. And the response to the fundraiser has been pretty negative, uh, at least on Twitter and on social media. Uh, people find it weird that a company with 40 partners, many of whom are wealthy, many of whom have ties to or are related to politicians who have led the country to the shitstorm that it is right now, including the Jumblats and the Hariris, etc. People find it weird that a company like that is asking people for donations. And I understand that. So that's what we're going to talk about today. Are people justified in their anger towards the Grand Factory? Now, before I get into that, I have to make a couple of important disclaimers. I have nothing against the Grand Factory as an organization. I have nothing against most of the partners at Grand Factory. In fact, I would have made this exact video and I would have had this exact same response if Uber House had uh, made a $250,000 fundraiser for, to rebuild their club or if Ballroom Blitz or if any kind of major club with, with a lot of investors and a lot of money at play had done something similar. So this is nothing against the Grand Factory people. Uh, so I definitely want that to be out there. Um, I also don't really go clubbing much. So I'm not a clubber. Clubs don't mean anything to me. I have no close relationship or close memories related to Grand Factory or to um. I usually am the kind of person who, when I get to a club or to a party, I can't wait to leave and go back home. I fucking hate clubbing. I can't stand it. Like when I think of clubs, I think of sticky floors, puke, annoying fucking bouncers, men grabbing women's asses without their consent, dudes waving their cigarettes around and fucking poking a hole in your shirt. Uh, that's what I think of and what I associate clubbing with. So I'm not a fan of clubbing. I'm not, it's not for me. I also am not the CEO of a massive company that has 170 employees that I need to feed. So I don't know what it's like having that responsibility. And that's also important to note. Like it's easy to complain and it's easy to point fingers, but I do get that they have employees that they want to pay and they're trying to restart their business. I just completely disagree with how they're going about it. But now that we have these disclaimers out of the way and we know what the situation is, let's watch the video that was released by Grand Factory. We're not going to watch the whole thing, but sort of give you guys an idea of sort of the marketing approach that they went for. And I had to change the music just a heads up for the, uh, you know, copyright. So as you can see, it's very sad and emotional music, you know, slow motion shots of people partying. Um, again, this does nothing for me as someone who doesn't care about clubbing. Um, you know, obviously, I'm not trying to take anything away from the damage that happened. Like, they got royally fucked by the blast, like everyone did. But they, they did get a lot of damage and stuff. I'm not trying to take anything away from that. So anyways, a lot of people found this very emotional. Again, if you, if you spent a lot of time at Grand Factory, this might do something for you, for someone like me. It's just another club, you know what I mean? To me, it's just a club. Now, let me just take a second to read the message when you open up the fundraiser. We call ourselves factory people because it has always been about the people. The people on the dance floors or the people who work so hard to keep that dance floor pumping. Ever since the pandemic hit Lebanon, we have put all our focus on keeping our team safe and sound. Despite COVID-19 being exceptionally hard on our industry, we were able to maintain a family of 170 hardworking dreamers, each with their own families to support. We did so during the toughest economic conditions that have affected all businesses. Yet we managed to keep going and looking ahead to the time when our doors can open again. Then August 4, 2020 happened and the explosion at the port, hundreds of meters away from Am and the Grand Factory, left the clubs completely destroyed. Our offices heavily damaged and left us without a chance of having even the smallest of gatherings anytime soon. 
After that heinous crime, we cleaned up what we could at the clubs and closed our doors. Our team, like everyone else in the country, descended to the streets to stand with our people and to help each other out as much as we can. In December of last year, we were strongly against operating in any viable venue in the midst of our country combating a pandemic, and our doors remain closed. Today, we believe that Beirut deserves the chance to dance again and to rebuild a place where we shared some of our favorite memories. We need your help to do that. We started a fundraiser to rebuild the Grand Factory and support our community of artists so we all hopefully come back stronger than ever. Local donations are not necessary. We're all going through this together. We've also included some rewards for your contributions as a token of appreciation from factory people that include free entrance and some draws for artists' merchandise. We'd like to take this opportunity to remind everyone to never forget about what happened on August 4th and never stop talking about Beirut. It warms our hearts to see all of your messages of support around the world, and we promise we won't rebuild without putting up a fight. We're carrying on our mission to create and foster communities through arts, music, and culture. We'll have some more news for you in the coming weeks. Stay safe and see you soon. So what do I think about this whole thing? Okay, do I agree with Twitter or do I side with, you know, the people who want to, to support the Grand Factory? I've already made my opinion known on Instagram. I've already gotten a pretty negative reaction from a few of the partners at Grand Factory. Some of them have been honestly pretty immature about the whole thing. Some of them have been extremely mature and have reached out to me and have tried to share their perspective. Um, and I really appreciate those people. And again, I have nothing against the partners, at least most of them. Okay, I'm sorry. If your last name is Jumblat, I'm going to have a hard time feeling bad for you. Okay, or if you're married to a Hariri or something like that. Again, no sympathy from my end. I do agree that it is tone deaf and I completely understand the public's response. It's one thing if you're a small family business or a small family restaurant asking for $20,000 or $15,000 to rebuild. I get that. That makes sense. If you're a family trying to ask for donations for hospital treatment, someone has a cancer treatment that they can't afford, I understand that. Even if the sum is $50,000, $100,000, when it comes to health or trying to raise money for someone and they can't afford it, I get it. It's hard to feel bad for a company that has 40 partners. Okay, not all of them are wealthy, granted, and a lot of them were affected by the, by the banking crash and all of that and their money stuck in banks. But I'm sorry, it's hard to feel bad for 40 partners, especially when some of them are related to politicians. Now, the whole Dalia Jumblat thing, and again, look, Dalia Jumblat might be an extremely sweet girl. I've never met her. She might be an amazing person, okay? It's not her fault that she's related to her dad. But they should, the partners should know and she should know to maybe not involve herself in something like this because it's going to make the rest of the partners look bad. Now, I can't confirm if Dalia Jumblat is still part of the company, okay? But if you look at the website Sejil Al-Tijari, a bunch of people sent me that you can see her name and I saw the document, there it is. You can see her name in the list of partners, okay? Her name is right there in the list of partners. Also, like Thoda Map uh, said that, please stop, like apparently a lot of people are saying that Dalia Jumblat has shares in three rooms and not um, but both companies have the same address, description and capital. So maybe they're trying to do like a sneaky thing that like she's not actually involved, but she's involved. I don't know, but it definitely seems sketchy. And if she's not involved, Grand Factory has done an extremely poor job of communicating that to the public because the public is extremely confused. And if she is involved, the public has every right to be to be mad. And, and this is something else that I want to mention. Two, they're asking for $250,000. And if they do have 40 partners, divide $250,000 by 40. That's $6,250 each. I'm sorry, but if you are a partner at one of the biggest clubs in Lebanon, and if you don't have $6,000 to spare, maybe you shouldn't be a partner in a club. I'm sorry, and I know people's money are stuck in banks and shit, but if you can't afford 6K, maybe 
The clubbing scene is not for you. Maybe you shouldn't be an investor in Lebanon's biggest clubbing chain between, you know, with Um and, and, and with um, Grand Factory. Like, seriously, if you can't afford $6,000 and if you have to ask people to give you that money, why are you in the club business? Why are you still trying to get a, to open the club? And, I'm, and I don't know anything about their numbers. I don't know where all the money went. But Grand Factory was one of the most profitable clubs. I mean, the place was always constantly packed. You could barely move. So it is weird that they're asking people for money. There's this tweet that I love uh, by, where is it? By Lazy Redhead. I would expect a business that size to have enough accumulated wealth and or connections to attract investors money before asking for free money. As for priorities, saving every business is a priority. Saving is key here. Saving those who can't afford doing it alone. But a lot of people that are at Grand Factory are very good people. And I, I know I've pointed to Dalia Jumblat, and that's the first name that everyone goes to. But there are people like Samir Makarem, who I haven't met in person, but who I know works incredibly hard um, on the ground for Lebanon, like politically. I know he's a political activist. I know he stands against all of the politicians. So he's part of Grand Factory and he's a really good dude. There's another person called Leah Reyeb, who I also don't know, but apparently she was a huge part of Basecamp and helping to sort of kind of re help rebuild Beirut. So there are definitely good people involved, but when there's 40 of them and when some of them have questionable past and when some of them are definitely wealthy, you can understand why the public is going to be skeptical when you ask them for $250,000, especially when Lebanon is going through so much more shit. But anyways, we're going to break all of this down. This is going to be a long conversation. Let's break down the arguments that are being used to support the fundraiser. And argument number one, it's more than a club. It's a cultural landmark. This is the kind of stuff that people say when they get high on their own supply, when they drink their own kool-aid okay look when i watched that video that they made again like i said i wasn't reminded of anything emotional i didn't get goosebumps i didn't get teary-eyed i just remembered the smell of of alcohol sticky floors to me this whole it's a landmark and it's a cultural no it's not it's a fucking club people go there to get drunk and to try to hook up with other people generally let's not make it out to be more than it actually is grand factory is not a landmark grand factory is a relic it is a relic of a lebanon that was never really there to begin with it's an illusion. And if you think that Grand Factory stands for anything more than just a club, then you're keeping the illusion of the old Lebanon alive. And it's time to let go of that old identity. That was an artificial and fake Lebanon. And it's never going back to that. So the, the sooner we accept that, the better off we're all going to be. I'm not saying that I don't want Grand Factory to come back. I'm not saying that I don't want um to come back. I want them to come back. I want these people to be able to earn a living and I want them to be able to rehire their 170 employees. But like not by asking people for money. I don't think that's the way they should come back. I definitely find that very weird. Argument two. But they're also part of the Thaura and went down to protest. Okay, cool. Again, like I've mentioned, some of the, some of the partners at Factory are legit activists and they are spending time on the ground trying to make a real change. But I think you're cheapening their accomplishments and their efforts when you're using them to justify funding a nightclub. I'm sorry, and I'm sure people like Samir and Leah never did the activism they did in order to, to justify funding the club, but, peop but people using their activism to justify funding a club makes no sense, and I'm sorry you're cheapening their work. Machas, going down and being a good citizen and being a good Samaritan and trying to make a change in society has nothing to do with trying to relaunch your club. So let's just separate the two. And to be completely honest, and I'm, I'm going to say something that is slightly douchey, but these same people, these same activists didn't seem to have a problem with the current system or having partners like Dalia Jumblat, people affiliated with the Hariris. When the club was doing well, when they were all making money, when everything was going well, 
no one seemed to have a problem with that. So again, it seems a little bit hypocritical. I'm sure people can change their minds. People can change and that's great. And that's what we need to have happen. But let's not pretend that they weren't okay and that they didn't benefit from the system the way it was before because they did. Okay, these clubs were immensely popular. In a way, having a partner like Dalia Jumblat, even if she's a minority partner, but having partners tied to the Hariris as well means that some of Grand Factory, some of it, even if it's just a small percentage, was actually funded by money that was stolen by the Lebanese people. So how do you think the people are going to feel when the country is doing as shitty as it is when you ask them for money to reopen those clubs? It's just fucking weird. Argument three. Well, if not now, when? You know, so if now's not the good time or if now's not the right time to start a fundraiser, to, you know, to get $250,000, when will it be a good time? Well, again, for the fundraiser thing, I don't think it's ever going to be a good time. People do not want to give, at least most of the people online and the people that are upset about this, they don't want to give for a, a massive company that was extremely profitable with 40 partners, again, some of them who have political ties, they, they can't justify giving them $250,000. I'm sorry. Not now, not later. But even if, even if there was a right time, now is certainly not that time, Okay. More than 50% of the population is living under the poverty line. People can't afford basics. Subsidies are about to expire very soon, which is going to make essentials even more expensive. And the streets are going to fucking burn or something. Can you, can you imagine being a grand factory partying with like when there's people outside fucking killing each other to get a bag of rice? Like who wants to go clubbing when that's happening outside? We have to accept, guys, we have to accept that Lebanon is not going back to the way it was. And that's okay. I've been unemployed for three months now, okay? I've accepted that I'm never going to find a job like the job that I used to have here. I'm never going to get paid as well as I used to get paid here. I'm trying to figure out new ways and different avenues to make money. I'm trying to figure out if I can live off of YouTube. I might have to go live in the States. Like, my life has changed completely. And I, I've completely given up on any semblance of life that I had in the past because I know it's just not going to happen. Priorities shift, priorities change. And holding on to this past in Lebanon. And again, this past that was only kind to a kind of a bubble. And now that bubble is getting even smaller. Argument four. What does it take away from the other? Uh, I mean, yeah, look, yes and no. When you open up Fund to Hope, which is where the, the Grand Factory uh, fundraiser is taking place, you can see that they've raised almost $15,000 right now. And you can see that there there are other charities that have been completely ignored, like Help Tet Ajano. They're trying to raise $20,000. They're at only $750. Um, urgent Help for Teta Wafa. Um, you know, Zero Hunger, Fighting Hunger. They're asking for money and they're barely getting it. All of the attention is going to Grand Factory. Why? Well, because they have a marketing budget. They have a PR team. There's a lot of social media influencers who like the Grand Factory or who are friends with their partners who are more than happy to share this initiative. So don't tell me that it's not getting more attention than others. And at least if you're going to promote it and if you're going to have a fundraiser, at least in the fundraiser, try to try to encourage people to donate to other charities. Try to ask them to match their donation. Like if you're going to give us $50, we urge you to match that $50 to this charity or that charity, which they didn't do. We're going to get into their website and talk about the other thing that they are going to do, which is the artist residency. But again, I mean, it does take it. If you ask me, it does take the attention away. And it also sends the wrong message. Like when foreigners see that we're asking people and asking people living abroad for money to reopen our club, it's going to make them think that like, where the fuck are these people's priorities? They just had a fucking massive blast. Our economy is in tatters, but here we are trying to raise money 
to reopen a club when there are more important things to take care of. And I'm not the first person to bring this up. Uh, Inedit Piaf on Twitter, you know, shared a tweet showing that these different charities were struggling and all the attention was basically going to saving the Grand Factory. So I, if, if you're watching this and if you did donate to the Grand Factory, or if you do want to donate to the Grand Factory, let me at least urge you, please try to match your donation to one of these other uh, charities or one of these other initiatives like helping Teta Wafa, uh, helping Teta Jano. And I'm gonna I'm gonna try to highlight some of these in, the, in a second. So in short, I do think it takes attention away. I, I, it's And it's not, and I'm not trying to say that it's Grand Factory's fault that these charities aren't making money. Not at all, they have nothing to do with this. But it does take some attention away and it does take some money away from, from these other important causes. I, I do believe that and I disagree with, with the other thought. Now let's quickly take a second to read the website, uh, you know, savethegrandfactory.com. So our story, our venues, the Grand Factory and Am, became a hub for expression, artistic development, and musical contribution to the people of Lebanon. Our clubs were not just venues, they became cultural landmarks and melting pots for different communities who make Beirut what it is. With a fundraiser, we aim at focusing all our efforts at rebuilding the Grand Factory. Uh, the artist residency, this is one of the things that they're trying to come up with. The Grand Factory as a nightlife venue will not return to what it used to be before the country is safe. Instead, it caters once more to the cultural fabric of the country by introducing an artist residency program, the modular space will be transformed for the residency serving as both an artist workshop and an exhibition based on experience and project proposal eight to twelve artists under the age of 30 will be selected from the fields of music design and film using their respective disciplines these artists will produce an, an integrated piece of work exhibited at the grand factory so they're hoping that this program will help you know develop these young artists that are looking for opportunities and stuff which again is admirable but is this enough to justify a two hundred and fifty thousand dollar investment not in my personal opinion Let's let's be honest. Let's go to Fund of Hope right now. Let's open that up. As of this taping on Wednesday at 6.30 p.m., the Grand Factory fundraiser is at $14,991 raised, so almost $15,000 out of $250,000. That is much lower than I expected, to be honest with you. I mixed, like, I'm glad that people aren't giving them their money because it sends a message, but I'm not happy that they're failing to restart their business. And again, I don't know the ins and outs of their business. I don't know if they tried to raise money in another way. I don't know if they genuinely don't have the money to do this. I don't know if they tried to get investors, but they couldn't get investors. Maybe this really is their final option. But if this was their last option, maybe it's a sign that the Grand Factory, you know, can't or shouldn't come back, at least not right now. You know what I mean? And if they each don't have $6,000, then again, I don't know what to say about that. You shouldn't be in the club business. But I would have honestly expected them to make more money. And usually like the first few days of the fundraiser are when you're going to make the bulk of your money because then you're just going to lose, you know, momentum and you're, it's less and less people are going to talk about it. So if I had to make a prediction, I don't think they're going to get to the $250,000 unless this campaign gets a huge second wind and someone extremely famous talks about it and gets a lot of eyeballs on it or i don't know man believe it or not most of if you already hate me for my opinion you're not going to believe what i'm saying but it is kind of sad but it also shows you that like lebanese people are so much more fucking attentive now and we're so much more paranoid and cynical and I don't know, man, you might have convinced a few people living abroad to give you money, but it's going to be hard to convince at least anyone here to give you money. I'm sorry if I can't trust, I can't trust this, this fundraiser. I can't trust 40 partners. I can trust a few of the partners, but I can't trust 40 of them. Um, and I'm sure some of them do have the money and they're just taking advantage of this. So it is what it is. Now, in conclusion, and I'm going to be honest here. And again, this is not going to make me any friends. 
I don't think this episode is going to make me any friends, actually. Um, I feel like this is a campaign that is using Lebanon's tragedy and that is using our collective tragedy and trauma to raise money to rebuild an institution that is only going to cater to like 5 to 10% of the population. We're using all of our collective trauma and, and tragedy to bring something back that only a minority is going to afford. And let's not kid ourselves. We know that the only people who are going to be able to go to Grand Factory are people who earn money in dollars. Entrance is going to be more expensive. Drinks are going to be more expensive. You can't tell me that they're not. And I understand that they have to be more expensive. But this is not for Lebanon. This is not for culture. This is, this is for a bubble, a little tiny bubble of people, ultimately, and um, I don't think, I want these places to come back. I hope Grand Factory can come back. I hope Am can come back. I hope Soul Kitchen can come back. But I don't want us to have to fund their return, okay? I, I don't find that right, personally. And I don't think you should be mad at the public for reacting the way they did. I don't think you should call us bullies. I don't think I'm a bully for pointing this out. These are legitimate questions. And I think this was a failure of communication. This was a PR failure. And uh, you guys should have seen this coming, is what I would say. But good luck. I hope you guys can make it, man. And uh, yeah, fuck. Mortal Kombat. Okay, folks, we're going to talk about Mortal Kombat 2021. Uh, before we get into it, I was a big fan of the 1995 Mortal Kombat movie. Still to this day, the greatest video game movie ever made. Let's not kid ourselves. Okay, I love the video games. I never used to play like the story modes. I played one, which was Deception on PS2. Really shitty campaign mode. I actually hated the lore. So I'm not a fan of like the Mortal Kombat lore, but I love the games. I love the movie. I love the moves. I love the fatalities. I love the bloodshed. I love a lot of the characters. So that is my attachment to the franchise of Mortal Kombat. Um, I was kind of excited for this movie. Like the trailer looked pretty sketchy. I'm not going to lie, but it's 2021. We've had a horrible year and a half. So I'm excited for any visual effects movie that you're going to throw my way, let alone a Mortal Kombat movie, which seemed pretty fun. So how's the movie? I'm going to keep the spoiler free for the most part. I'm just going to mention a few little details that I don't think are going to ruin the experience for you if you have not seen the movie. So um, what did I think of the movie overall? I kind of liked it, but like just barely. It's a bad movie and it just barely gets a pass. So it gets like, in my book, it gets like a six out of 10, but just barely. I'm going to tell you what I liked about the movie, but I'm going to tell you what I didn't like. But the things that I didn't like, I think are an easy fix for a sequel. Like if you want to make this movie better, I don't think you have to do a lot. And let me just mention that the director for this film was uh, Simon uh, McCoy, who he's a first time director and the screenplay was written also I think by like a first time writer. The movie is b very badly written. The, the 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 dialogue is really bad. The editing is also pretty bad, especially for a lot of the fights. But let's get into the good stuff. So the good stuff, the violence, the blood, the fatalities, all that shit is great. It reminded me of the game, particularly like one of Kung Lao's fatalities. That was fucking awesome. Highlight of the movie for me. Some of the characters were incredible, like Scorpion in particular. Scorpion, who was played by legendary Japanese actor. Sorry, what is his name? Uh, Hiroyuki Sanada. What a fucking fantastic actor. I love him. Sub-Zero was amazing. So Scorpion and Sub-Zero, definite standouts in the movie. Other characters that I quite liked. Uh, Kung Lao was great. Kung Lao was ripped straight out of the video games. I liked Liu Kang, but I didn't love him. He felt kind of, I don't know, like too much like a side character. Kano. Kano was a fucking standout in the movie. Kano was fucking hilarious. He kind of carried the first half. 
so Kano was great. Uh, a lot of the character designs I kind of liked. I liked Cabal's character design. I didn't like the way he spoke and a lot of that, but I liked his look. I liked Melina's look. I liked Goro's look and design. Uh, we're going to get into Goro a little bit later. It looked and felt like Mortal Kombat a lot of the time. That's what I'll say. Now I'm going to get into my negatives. So, okay, we have some great characters. Some of them look like they do in the games. They act like they do in the games. Uh, the action can be pretty cool sometimes. The violence is a lot of fun. So that works. But what didn't work was, A, the story. The story is incredibly stupid. So Mortal Kombat, it's a pretty simple fucking premise, isn't it? It's a, it's a tournament where people fight to the death. There's no tournament in this Mortal Kombat movie. It's actually like a prequel to the tournament. So the story in a nutshell is that, I forgot their name, but Outer Realm, the bad guys, okay? They've won nine out of the, out of the last tournaments. They've won nine tournaments in a row consecutively. If they win the 10th tournament, they get to like take over Earth and send their fighters to Earth and like fuck Earth up. But they're afraid of losing the 10th tournament for some reason, although they've just won the last nine consecutively. They're too worried about the 10th one, so they decide to go and try to kill Earth's champions before the 10th tournament ever takes place. So the whole movie is them trying to fight these guys so that they don't have to fight legally in a fight, which makes no sense. If you can take them out before the tournament, you can take them out in the tournament. It's incredibly stupid. Raiden is an incredibly stupid character that does not do what his character is meant to do at all. Uh, Cole Young, the protagonist of this movie and the character that they invented, Cole Young is not in the games, is extremely boring. The character has nothing to do. His lines are wooden. He's kind of useless. His power set is incredibly bad and stupid looking. I don't know what the fuck they were thinking there. So that was incredibly stupid. That was very bad. Uh, some of the characters, I mentioned some of the characters that were used very well, like Scorpion and Sub-Zero, although Scorpion was not used nearly as much as he should have. Other characters like Goro did not get their due. Like, Goro, to me, is like a boss fucking character. You know what I mean? He's one of the final ones that you fight. You need to give that character a lot of importance. He did. He got, like, you barely see Goro in the film. I, no spoilers, but, like, I don't like at all what they did with Goro. That was very annoying. Oh, I forgot to mention Jax. I thought Jax was awesome as well, and Jax had some of the best one-liners while fighting. I thought he had some amazing one-liners. And my biggest complaint is that some of the fights were very, very badly edited. Like, the opening fight between Scorpion and Sub-Zero and the closing fight of the film are incredible. Those are amazing fights. A lot of the fights in the middle of the movie never felt like full fights. They felt like montages. They felt like there wasn't any importance to those fights. And near the end of the film, there's like three fights that they kind of intertwine, and it's like this montage of fights, and you don't feel any 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 suspense there's no tension it doesn't feel like a full real fight with something at stake and this is what i want the sequel to fix i want there to be an actual tournament to have a full fight from beginning to end with you know with ups and downs this had none of that so that is what i'm disappointed about but i still i'm excited to see where the film goes next because i like some of the characters sonia blade as well she's cool i want to see where this cast of characters is taken next i want to see a tournament give us a fucking tournament it was fun a little bit disappointing but not really because my expectations were pretty low to begin with so i would definitely recommend it if you're a fan of, of mortal kombat you're going to have fun with it but you're definitely going to want the story too you're going to want more but i think we get enough this is a little you know appetizer but they better bring it for part two. Like, if they make a second one, and I hope they make a second one, they better bring a fucking tournament. Overall, I definitely recommend it. If you're a fan, you've probably already seen it. If you're not a fan, it's fun. It's light, it's fun, it's stupid, it's bloody, it's violent. Just enjoy it for what it is. 
Folks, thank you so much for joining me for episode 16 of Do Not Worry. Uh, please take a second to like this video. Leave a comment. Uh, let me know what you guys think of the Grand Factory thing. What do you guys think of Zac Efron's new face? What did you think of Mortal Kombat? Let me know in the comments below. Your engagement has been extremely helpful for the channel. Uh, we've already crossed 2,500 subscribers. Please subscribe to the channel. Become a Do Not Warrior and help me reach the I Love You 3,000 subscriber mark. I wanted to say thank you to Noor Abu Fayyad once again for the awesome book, The Complete Opposite of Everything. I am excited to, to read this, Noor. Thank you so much. If you guys want to learn more about her book or, you know, learn more about Noor, you can follow her on Instagram and her YouTube channel, Noor in Wonderland. I'll have the information below. Folks, thanks again as usual. Uh, have a good one. Do not worry. Do not worry. Thank you.